Welcome back to the Injury Prone Fantasy Football Podcast. Today we have a Fantasy Points Fiesta Part 3 with the director of Dank Stats, the co-owner of FantasyPoints.com, at Scott Barrett DFB on Twitter. He is an absolute badass at finding the context that you need, providing the context to the stats that you need. We were just having an awesome conversation about one of his articles coming out that is going to be an injury discount article. We'll sort of collaborating on that one. Scott, tell us how you're doing tonight, man. Yeah, I'm doing good. I'm excited to be on the podcast. Uh, excited to talk about not not my article series, our article series on on injury discounts. I, I don't I don't think people tend to look at injury discounts the right way. So I, I think I can bring something uh, unique and valuable to the table. And then on top of that, I have your expertise. Uh, you're going to contribute in the article, and you're going to tell me where I'm right and where I'm wrong on guys. I think or injury discounts. I think this is just going to be a super valuable series to our subscribers. No, absolutely. And we were talking before about how uh, people don't necessarily look at injury discounts the right way. And I think that, and, and, and how the type of context that can be, that come from beat reporters that come from, from people like Adam Kaplan, uh, the different types of information that can, that can give more context to what an injury might've meant. And we'll get into that a little bit more, uh, but you mentioned our subscribers. And so you, uh, you did mention on Twitter that the best deal on the planet isn't necessarily Mahomes' ten-year contract for four hundred million dollars. So, what do you what do you think the best deal is on the planet right now? Then, yeah, that's definitely uh, you know a fantasypoints.com subscription. Uh, if you want everything, if you want DFS and gambling included, it's just a hundred dollars. Uh, if you only want to do season long, that's fifty dollars. Um, definitely check it out. You can try it for free right now. You can try us for free. Uh, but we will eventually go fully behind the paywall. Um, and yeah, that's, that's about it. That's, that's the best, best deal, deal on the right planet. Now. I absolutely agree, <laughs> 100%. So the last thing too, before we get into this stuff, you mentioned, uh, well, you and Graham mentioned you're going to do the, you're going to do a podcast, right? Are we allowed to talk about that? Yeah. Yeah. What is What is this? What is this two bars podcast going to be? What Can you explain that a little bit? Yeah. So we were, we've been trying to come up with a name for, for quite some time. Uh, my ideas were the Scott Barrett show or the Scott Barrett show featuring the barfer, uh, but, but Graham didn't like that. So, so we're going with the two bars podcast and just like Graham and I are like boys. We've been boys for forever. Uh, if you've ever hung out with us in person, like just like everyone cracks up at our you know relationship, how we, you know, rip on each other, you know, bounce off of each other. And so we've talked about doing a podcast together for the longest time. And we're finally going to do that. Um, as for what our main topics are, I think I think at least early stages, like the first few podcasts, we're going to focus on uh, optimal dynasty strategy, which is you know something I I feel strongly about. I think I have uh, a good grasp on it, a unique perspective, and I know Graham does. He's he's honestly like the best DFS, uh, the best dynasty player I know. Him and him and TJ Calkins. Uh, are probably the best. And uh, I mean, he, he won my league last year, the DFB Invitational. And so uh, at least the first podcast, maybe the second podcast too, we're going to be talking about that. So uh, check it out. It's, it's, it's going to be up soon, not too long. Not too long. I like the tease there. So before we get into the injury discounts and the different type of player, the specific players we want to talk about, can you explain a little bit what, why running backs matter? I saw that you tweeted you know, why running backs matter and conversation between you and Adam Harstead about 
um, why running backs do matter in fantasy football. So can you expand on that a little bit? Like what's the positional scarcity? Like what, can you explain all that? Maybe in a way that it's a little more digestible for people to get. Yeah. So I had this big article called uh, uh, upside wins championships or upside is everything. And uh, that article did really well. It got like 120 retweets, bunch of favorites. Um, also made some people very, very mad. Uh, but I did take some of their criticism and decided to do a follow-up. So this week I have uh, a two-part follow-up to that. And the article on Friday is anatomy of a league winner, where I actually just break down what a league winner is and why. And in that article, it's just like so glaringly obvious that running backs matter so much more than any other position in fantasy. And it's not close. And you typically, uh, find them only in the early rounds, which isn't, a, which isn't like anywhere near as true for the other positions. Um, and basically, yeah, why, why it's so important. First reason why, as Adam Harstad explained so eloquently, uh, was positional, uh, scarcity. So think about it this way. There's 32 teams in the league and how many, you know, really fantasy relevant running backs are there. Uh, I mean, half the teams use a committee situation the other half, you know, sort of just a, a bell cow. And even then it could be a three-way committee um, or it could just be like, you know, Miami's bell cow. Like, what is that worth? Um, so let's say like 1.5 fantasy relevant running backs per team, 32 teams. And then, <clears throat> and then how many, uh, starting spots are there on your fantasy team. Let's see, there's, say there's 12 teams and it, at minimum you start two and we'll just assume like <clears throat> we can give the flex away to a different position. Although typically you'd love to have a running back in the flex and it's, and it's like, okay, so 1.5 times 32 is 48 uh, and 24 starting spots. So, you know, 50%. Meanwhile, like let's look at quarterbacks, right? How many fantasy relevant <clears throat> quarterbacks are there? There's 32 teams. Each team has one quarterback that makes up 100% of the team's uh, uh, potential fa uh, quarterback fantasy points. And so that's 32. And then how many quarterbacks do you start in a 12-team league? You only start one, unless it's a super flex. But let's say it's just you know a typical 12-team. Uh, and so 12 divided by 32 is you know 37% you know, running back is basically twice as valuable as that. So that's just positional scarcity. But on top of that, I, I definitely didn't explain that as well as, as Adam did, but on top of that running backs also, you have the highest ceiling in fantasy um, over the past three seasons um, uh, of the top 10 highest scoring players in fantasy flex eligible players, uh, eight of those 10 or nine of those 10 were running backs. And on top of that, you have to think about, which is like sort of interrelated to scarcity is you know the the value you're getting so like christian mccaffrey outscored michael thomas the the highest scoring wide receiver by six fantasy points per game but he also outscored the worst starter worthy running back by like 18 fantasy points per game while lamar jackson outscored the worst starter worthy quarterback by you know nine fantasy points per game michael thomas outscored the worst starter worthy wide receiver by nine fantasy points per game kelsey even less than that and then when you factor in like what's available on your waiver wire, which is like, that's what upside wins championships is all about. So best 
best running back on waiver wire. And it's like even more glaring of a, of a difference. So just because of uh, the scarcity, uh, really, that's the big thing. Uh, running back is just far and away the most important position in fantasy. If, if you're talking a super flex league where you start four, you know, wide receivers, you know, it's different, but the leagues that everyone else plays, we're talking. So then how does that line up with like the zero RB strategy? How does that line up with going zero RB or what, like, how do you, how do you integrate that into, like you said, a, a, a standard 12 team, you know, non super flex league? Right. So I, so I talk about that in this article specifically where I'm looking back at the league winners over the past three seasons. I'm looking at it by uh, how, by, by percentage owned on ESPN playoff teams. So like Christian McCaffrey, if you owned Christian McCaffrey last year, the chances you made it to the playoffs was basically 80%. So, so more than double, uh, you know, uh, per- perfectly random, right? Uh, four out of 10 teams make it to the playoffs. So 80%, just like crazy, crazy high. And so uh, I'm looking at the the top league winners over the past three seasons by win rate or percentage owned on playoff rosters. And uh, just looking at it, uh, 10 of the top 11 uh, were, were players, uh, were running backs drafted in the first uh, two rounds. Actually, I have it here. Hold on. Let me get the correct stat um yeah so so on the that list 47 percent of the running backs were drafted in the first two rounds 65 percent were drafted in the first four rounds and you you really see that with running back but you don't see that at all with quarterback you don't see it with with wide receiver even though uh adp is a lot more accurate for wide receivers than it is for running backs it's just it's the most valuable position where do you find running backs typically in the early rounds, the first four rounds uh, bar outside of like Devonta Freeman, that one Devonta Freeman year, it's like really hard to find a league winner late. Uh, and so it's just the only way zero RB can succeed is based on the premise that you can find it. it you have to acknowledge that league winners are running backs and it's the most important position. You just have to acknowledge that, but it can succeed if, you can find league winning running backs late and all the data I'm looking at, it just says that's highly unlikely. Yeah. Far less likely than the other position. So, yeah. I remember the year that Justin Forsett and CJ Anderson, I think that was the same year when they both broke out or I don't even know if you want to call it a breakout. I don't even remember what happened that year, but when they both just went bananas towards the end of the season, I remember that was my first year playing fantasy football and I, and I picked both of them up. And I had like major dudding Kruger because I was like, oh, this shit's easy, man. I can just pick up these guys in the middle of the season. Nobody else knows they're around and I'll win every year. Like, what is, why is this so hard? Yeah, that was a weird year. I, um, I drafted Odell Beckham Jr. and CJ Anderson as my breakout players. And I was just like, oh, I, nice. they're going to, they're going to be superstars, blah, blah, blah. But OBJ, his injury lingered. Uh, and CJ Anderson, I think was like, the backup and not getting carried. So I dropped both of them and then I lost in the championship to the guy who picked up both of them by like two points. It was like one of my worst beats of all time. That is the, the most awful. That's awesome. That's, that's awful. But that's funny that you say like st- statistically you have to play the odds that you're, that you're going to pick up somebody like that. And it doesn't even have to be like that year when they, when they, when CJ Anderson and Justin Forsett went bananas, it just has to be somebody that can fill the role of an RB one. And uh, you're basically saying that's that's unlikely. 
it's possible, but you're playing the odds. And so picking not necessarily, it's almost like a modified RB or zero RB, right? Is, is maybe what you, what you might suggest to people. I, so I go bell cow or bust at which I'll have that article in probably two weeks. Um, once we're done with the injury one, it's, um, yeah. So I, I want one of my, how do I want to say this? So like my exposure to various positions, like I could be kind of all like quarterback. I'm sort of all over the place this year. I don't have a Lamar Jackson this year, uh, but running back, there's just like eight guys I'm drafting like outside of after the first round, which is like the ADP is like pretty good first round. Uh, and, and I want bell cow running backs. What did that, what does that mean? So running back is the most volume dependent position in fantasy efficiency. Doesn't really matter. It's all about volume. Like, snaps correlates better to fantasy points for running backs than touches, which like doesn't make any sense. Or like, I just, you got to be on the field. You got to be used as both a runner and a pass catcher. Targets are worth 2.8 times as much of a ca- as a carry uh, in PPR leagues. It's just so important. You want those guys on the field uh, constantly uh, and, and not just like always on the field drawing, carries and snaps and targets, but also a high percentage of their team's snaps, carries and targets. Like you can draft a, you know, uh, the, 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 the example I've used for years was like that, that one year where Doug Martin and Dan, Danny Woodhead both, uh, finished as low end RB ones, but, uh, for both of them, like 60% of their fantasy points came in just three games. And it was like, Doug Martin went off when Tampa Bay was, you know, one in a blowout, which didn't happen too often. And Danny Woodhead went off when Los Angeles was like, like trailing by a ton because they're game script dependent because Danny Woodhead would, you know, he was the scat back. So the team's trailing, uh, you know, you lean pass heavy. um, You really need to put up points. You don't have time to to run the ball. Uh, Doug Martin for the opposite reason, you know, he wanted to hold this lead, take time off the clock. And so, so, and that's really true. So you, you have workhorse running backs, like the early down plotters uh, who need positive game script. You have the scat back types like a Danny Woodhead, James White, who, who go off when uh, the team is trailing. Actually, James White's not a great example there, but, and then you have the bell cow who is both, you know, best of both worlds doesn't get off the field. And so I really want those high end bell cow running backs. I, I go out of my way to target those. If you're in a committee situation, I, I really want nothing to do with you. Uh, and and it, it just gives you an every week starter. You don't have to, to worry about it. And these guys also have the highest floors and the highest ceilings and they, they score the most points. Yeah, and that's, I think that's you worded that perfectly. And that's why uh, James White does not arouse you for fantasy purposes. So that's good to know. <laughs> but that makes, that makes a lot of sense, man. And I think that especially the fact, the idea that snaps and not touches is what correlates higher to, to fantasy success. I didn't know that. And that's a, for, so you're basically confirming my, my priors when it comes to, and then talking to Graham too. Graham said this when we recorded last night. Uh, basically, it makes it confirms what I think might happen with Darius Geis is that I think that he's talented to eventually take over that backfield. But what I worry about with Darius Geis is that he just there's so much as of now, at least obviously at the time of this recording, there are other dudes who could potentially not necessarily take away touches from him, but just take away snaps. 
if they want to take you know take him off the field for goal line work if they want to take him off the field maybe in between the 20s at some point give him a rest on third downs i don't know we don't know necessarily where they're going to go but we do know that there's there are studies showing that darius guy specifically um with that with that injury that he has the a year after the meniscectomy uh that that surgery he had last year a year after that players see fewer snaps specifically and so you're really you're really making my ears perk up when i hear you say that snaps are what correlate and not necessarily touches because we don't know how many how many snaps Darius guys is going to take as of now. Well, what what do you think about that? Um, I, so I really don't know. I, there's just like so much massive uncertainty in Washington. Like we've seen Darius guys is going to be in this article. I haven't written it him up yet, but it's going to have to be. Uh, I mean that they have the most crowded uh, and deepest and most competent. Uh, running back room in the NFL. We know the Turners typically like a bell cow running back who can be split out wide is highly capable as a receiver. I don't know if that's Darius Geis. Um, I, I just like have no idea what's going on there. Um, I, I just want to go back to the, the James White example. So, so what did I mean by that? It, it was, it was, that was t- tied into upside wins championships. And it was just like, listen, you know, grabbing these guys who beat their ADP, but don't have like really high upside, just like, it's just like worthless, you know, like they're so easily replaceable where leagues are won and lost, not by teams that gather a bunch of ADP beaters. It's by guys who have like Christian McCaffrey, Lamar Jackson, and like whoever else, it doesn't really matter. Like those are typically the teams that that win leagues and they're, you need those select few players. Like the James White example was like the year before he finished as a low end RB one, but he needed multiple injuries. He needed Sony Michelle hurt. He needed Rex Burkhead hurt. He needed another injury. And like when those two guys, when either one of those two guys, so he needed both of them hurt at the same time. When either one of those guys was healthy, he averaged just like 11 fantasy points per game. The rest of the time he averaged 28 fantasy points per game, whatever it was. So it was like, yeah. So it was like, you need two injuries at the same time to hit, but like any, that's true for any running back. Like look, look at Mike Boone last year uh, with two, two uh, injuries in front of it. Like any guy can go off because running back is such a volume dependent position. Like a, a good case example this year is Marlon Mack. Like why would you ever take Marlon Mack? He's in a three-way committee with Jonathan Taylor, who's his superior. We know Naeem Hines is going to be getting the targets. Like, what is his upside? He has no upside. He needs two injuries. Um, and it, so it just, like, makes no sense to me when, when I, like, go for upside. It's upside wins championships at the end of the day. And, like, what's his upside? He has no upside. Absolutely. What's 10 fantasy that. points per game? It's nothing. It's like what's the, I can I sort of understand what you're saying when you say you know if he even if he beats his even if he beats his ADP or whatever I mean at what point okay he was drafted as RB14 and he was RB12 right or RB11 and he was only even that for this random spurt of of time that you couldn't even predict necessarily uh, when he was going to be on the field and when he wasn't when they were going to be trailing when when he wasn't when on the other side you could go for upside for players who you at least know have a chance to break out and take over a backfield and, and, and uh, sort of take over in that sense. So that may, I mean, to me, that makes a lot of sense. 
you're confirming my biases. I'm not sure about the people who are super high on people like Marlon Mack, who are super high on anybody in the Washington backfield. Dude, the San Francisco backfield, that's a backfield that I, I want no part of. I have no idea how that's yeah. going to play out. Um, I don't see all the – literally, that's a geriatric backfield. Um, I, you know, McKinnon's 28. Um, I'm pretty sure Mostert's 28. I, I mean, Tevin Coleman's coming off a shoulder injury. I don't know what's going to happen in that backfield. So I think uh, a lot of what you're saying makes a lot of sense for me from, from that aspect. Uh, so, but moving on a little bit too, you, you mentioned, you've talked a lot about upside already and what that means in terms of drafting, uh, and keeping that principle in mind. So we, we can move on a little bit more to what does it mean then to draft a good balance of safety and upside? Like, what does that even mean? If you're basically saying there's no reason to draft a James White in a lot of scenarios, like what does it mean to be, have a good balance team? Yeah. I mean, so 11 fantasy points per game from a running back. Like, what is that worth? That's like effectively an L. So like just getting Marlon Mack, you know, 10 fantasy, 11, like that's just, it's negative value. What is 20 plus fantasy points per game? It's worth so, so much in fantasy. It's like the Pareto principle where, you know, uh, you know, 20% of your workers put out 80% of your productivity account for 80% of your productivity, whatever. It's like like that with fantasy where those really, really high-end producers are worth so much. There's so much more valuable than anyone realizes. That, like that was the whole point of the article. And just like a slight ADP beater is like, who cares? Like you could find, you could find a guy averaging, you know, two fantasy points per game less on waivers. But, you know, the Christian McCaffrey's of the world, the Alvin Kamara's of the world are outscoring those guys by like 13 fantasy points per game. So just exponentially greater in a best ball league. Safety matters a ton in a, like a deeper league that the shallower your waiver wire is, uh, um, safety matters a lot in a dynasty league where there's really no waivers safety matters a lot. Uh, so it really depends, but the, the way I see it is after like round five for me, and maybe you could push it back to, to round eight, round seven, I'm fine with that. Uh, you know, upside is the guiding factor for me behind every single pick. Uh, if you're in the Scott fishbowl, there's one out of 1400, uh, um, your chances of, of, of winning that there's 1400 people in it. There's one out of 1400. So like infinitesimally small, just like take a home run slice every single pick you have, because remember, uh, you know, whiffing on a player doesn't really hurt you that much. You have the safety net of waivers available to you. Uh, what happens if you do hit a home run? It's so, so valuable. Like like in fantasy football and drafting, hitting a home run on a pick is worth way more than like six consecutive singles. Um, so it's just, it's just uh, really valuable. I play a lot of uh, high stakes leagues. So like NFFC, my FFPC. Uh, last year I finished top 15 in the football guys players championship. Uh, I don't think I've ever not finished in the top two in one of my leagues. Uh, and that is just like ex the perfect league to go super upside because, you know, the payout's so top heavy. It's like $500,000. You're competing against this wide number of teams. So what am I doing in those leagues? I, I am, I'm drafting Antonio Brown three rounds earlier than he otherwise should go. Tyler Higby is like the ultimate this is a tight end premium league is the ultimate, you know, upside pick, like 
Could he be an outright bust, essentially who he was for his entire career before the tail ends of last season? Absolutely. It might even be likely. But like, what if he is Travis Kelsey, which is who he was in his final four, six weeks, whatever, last year? Then like that is just such a massive, massive edge in your opponents at a sixth or seventh round price tag. So I'm really taking those those uh, those home run swings uh, and, and going for those guys because, again, like in fantasy football, upside is everything. So you mentioned Tyler Higby, and not to give away too much for uh, for people who aren't subscribed yet, who aren't subscribers of FantasyPoints.com yet, who's another, maybe one more player, one more player that you are eyeballing as a potential breakout league winning if you take this person two or three rounds before they're going – uh, they, they might win your league. Um, yeah, so it definitely Clyde Edwards Hilaire has just been my guy. I love it. I love it. So, so I think, I think things could be weird this year because of coronavirus and, and rookies not really getting a lot of practice time, which is just so crucial to their development. Uh, but, but typically, you know, these just like a guy who, okay, maybe he's in, something of a committee for the first five or six weeks of the season, whatever, like once he gets that bell cow workload, he is an absolute league winner. Uh, He, so he set the record for the most receptions by an sec running back last year. Uh, We know Kansas city drafted him because they love him as a pass catcher. I told you targets are 2.8 times as much as a carry in fantasy football. He has Christian McCaffrey type upside and no one else has Christian McCaffrey type up upside. We saw Austin Eckler have that last year while Melvin uh, Gordon was out. That's Clyde Edwards Hilaire, except in a way better pass offense, like the best pass offense possible. Um, you know, Graham Barfield, we, we know he's the, the running back guru said, this is the best pass catcher to come out of college since Christian McCaffrey, Andy Reid is the running back whisperer in 12 of the last 16 seasons. His RB1 has finished top eight in fantasy points per game. That's 75% of the time. I know he's had some good running backs, but like no coach comes anywhere near that. Uh, We saw Damian Williams last year and the year before um, just absolutely smashed. A few times he did see uh, 60% of the snaps or more. And remember, they drafted him the first round. They compared him to Brian Westbrook. They called him a perennial Pro Bowl running back. They said he was their pick from before the draft even started. Patrick Mahomes signed off on it. Uh, and it just it just seems like such a slam dunk to me where, you know, I, I, I just think he absolutely – he could be an easy top three fantasy point per game running back. I couldn't agree more. I talked to Graham last night again, like I was saying, and he he mentioned a lot of those same things that you just talked about. And it just makes sense. I mean, it just makes sense when people, when teams and organizations love a player the way that the Chiefs and Andy Reid seem to love CEH, it just seems to make sense. And we know that from the data that one of the most important factors that helps players stay get on the field and stay on the field after a significant injury uh, is draft capital and, and talent. Obviously, you know, the two are sort of, inextricably bound together but when you view a player one of the most important things is draft capital because not only do our teams invested because they believe that the player is talented front offices and and from their dollar they're putting their money where their mouth is they're invested in those players too and we know that the the front the the front office in kansas city is invested in ch so that one makes a lot of sense to me too so i like that one a lot 
Um, instead of talking about undervalued then or overvalued players, let's move on. I mean, we're going to sort of stay on the same topic of where our values at and what, and, and we can talk a little bit more about the injury discounts that you were mentioning in the beginning. So there are a few different players that you and I are working together to sort of explain on whether a player might be an injury discount in 2020 or maybe overlooked. I know Dallas Goddard was one of the dudes that you talked about, but can you explain a little bit the approach uh, a little, in a little bit more detail about what you're doing and what we're doing with the, with the injury discount articles that are coming? Yeah. So whenever I read an injury discount article, it's like, just seems like so, you know, sort of lazy where it's just like, it's like, well, Ben Roethlisberger is an injury discount because he's finished as a QB one every year. He's been healthy, uh, except for last year where he was hurt. Now he's priced like a QB two, which like, of course, obviously. Uh, but there's a few other ways we can look at it too. Like, I mean, Mark Andrews uh, was on the injury report you know, nine different times last season uh, with four different injuries. And he's not really getting an injury discount anywhere. Um, you know, Hollywood Brown, you know, we could, we could, we could spend like 30 minutes talking about Hollywood Brown. Uh, we could also talk about like more minor things like, uh, you know, no one really thinks about Drew Brees as a, a true injury discount. But uh, if you, if you exclude the one game where he played on just five snaps, the game where he tore his ligament in his thumb, uh, he would have averaged 22.8 fantasy points per game, which would have ranked second behind only Lamar Jackson. Now he's ninth by ADP. And you, you see that with you know Patrick Mahomes too. If you take out week seven, where he got hurt mid-game, if you take out week 14, where he got hurt mid-game, and you include the postseason, he would have scored it was like the eighth most fantasy points by any quarterback in any season all time. Meanwhile, everyone's like, oh, the regression hit Patrick Mahomes. Uh, and then there's other guys like, like people don't even know what we're hurt. Like Dallas Goddard, uh, we were saying Adam Kaplan came on one of our, we have you know at fantasy points, our own uh, NFL insider. Like what other site has that? Uh, Adam Kaplan came on our podcast, was talking about Dallas Goddard. He was like, yeah, Dallas Goddard uh, got hurt. Uh, early in training camp with a calf strain. And then he had at least one setback. It was week two when he missed uh, against the Falcons. And he actually really wasn't close to 100% until mid-season. And you, you kind of see that over his last uh, 10 games. He averaged 12 fantasy points per game, um, like 13 across his last five. And uh, yeah, I mean, other guys to talk about, Will Disley, um, George Kittle is a good one. Uh, Tom Brady, Cam Newton. So uh, excited to, to, I'm, I'm laying it out from the, the, like just the pure numbers. And then it's great to have someone like you come in and be like, Oh, no, no, no. that injury was really bad. And there's a good chance he re-injures it this year. So he's not an injury discount, or I think he's going to be, let's say Evan Ingram. I think he's going to be 80% effective his first year back. Or better yet, I think he's going to sit out until October, so he's actually not an injury discount. So something like that. So I, I think this is going to be a really fun series for us. No, absolutely. I, and honestly, I'm the more that we talk and the more that you sort of discuss this uh, injury discount and just as a general drafting for upside, I am turning a little bit on how I viewed players myself when I view them you know, through the lens of an injury and what that injury means and what their outcomes might be compared to ADP and where people might think that they're, they should be going. So this is definitely going to be a, a fun thing. I'm excited to, to, to see what you have laid out about these players. Um, 
I think specifically for the older quarterbacks, for example, the geriatric quarterbacks that we're talking about, Drew Brees, Ben Roethlisberger, Tom Brady, those dudes, for, for, for whatever reason you want to, you know, maybe view them as, as low upside, especially Tom Brady coming off of, of, of the year that he just had. Um, they are objectively, I think, uh, also a, a pretty good injury discount simply because they're older. But at the same time, you know, they have these these potential ruptures like Big Ben's injury was an overuse injury and he's 38 years old. Um, like you were, we were talking before we recorded that Tom Brady, you know, had tennis elbow reportedly. And that's that's what was going on with him. Drew Brees, how many times do you think Drew Brees threw a pass and hit a and hit a defender's helmet and his and his thumb didn't rupture, right? These dudes are just getting older. But for those same reasons, and and, the, and I could say on one hand, they're getting older, and so they're more likely, uh, they're more susceptible to these types of, of ligament ruptures. You can also turn around and say, since people do view them as older geriatric quarterbacks with low upside, then you can use them as an advantage. You can draft for upside and use them as an injury discount. So I love that. I think that's great. Yeah. I also with Ben Roethlisberger, like maybe, maybe I don't think he's in as good of shape as Tom Brady. Though. Tom Brady's older. <laughs> I agree with that. Just like, like, I, I feel like Ben that. just like drinks a six pack per night while Tom Brady, like on his birthday, he allows himself like one piece of cheese. <laughs> just lives in the gym. I, I, do you think Tom Brady's ever had like a drop of alcohol? Uh, so apparently he's like a world renowned chugger. Like he could do that thing where right. you, you, you give him a huge glass of beer and he can just like chug the whole thing down in one gulp. There's like so many like legendary stories about him doing that and playing beer pong apparently. It still seems like Ben Roethlisberger would drink him and Drew Brees under the table in the same night, though. I mean, if you just... Oh, ab- absolutely. <laughs> Man, this has been fun. This is great. Um, we're learning a lot. I'm learning a lot. Uh, I know that we had some other Real questions quick. lined up here, but... Mu- Wait, go ahead. Go ahead. There's like this this famous picture of uh, like one of the earliest Super Bowls where this quarterback is smoking a cigarette on the bench at halftime and also like drinking a Pepsi. Um, yeah, I, I I just feel like that, like, that's like everyone else is like now has personal trainers, like the strict regimented diet is lives in the gym, but like, that's still Ben Roethlisberger just like, like goes to sleep every night with like a, a pizza on his, on his belly and just like a beer in his hand. (laughs) Which is amazing because the fact that he's been able to even perform at this point, he's literally like the anti Tom Brady. And I love that they are basically what four, three or four years apart. And, and big Ben's just like, he's not, I mean, obviously he's not Tom Brady, but he's been able to still perform. And he looks like, I mean, let's be honest, man. He just looks like a slob. And I honestly don't understand. <laughs> I don't, it's like, I don't want to be like a jerk necessarily. I'm sure he'll block me on Twitter after this. If he hears it, if he ever were to hear this, but like, just looking at him, you're just like, how are you an NFL athlete? Like, how are you, how are you performing at such a high level? So, yeah. That's, All right. Uh, so this is, by the way, it was, it's, it's Len Dawson and, and the drink was a Fresca, but yeah. So I think this is a good question is like, I mean, like how athletic do you really need to be like <laughs> right, if you're right. Ben Roethlisberger? And then at the same time, like, what about Hunter Renfro? Like, just look at Hunter Renfro. Like, that's the extent of my analysis is like literally just look at him. Like how, how are you an NFL at like, but I, I, the only thing I have to say, I'm not, I'm not a doctor like you, but I I did have an article entitled uh, slot wide receivers don't matter. 
And if you just like look at slot wide receivers, like you don't need to be athletic to play that position. But I mean, Hunter Renfro definitely, you know, tests the upper limits of that. Like, like he, like there's pictures of me where I look in better shape and more athletic. <laughs> than I need to see those pictures. I need to see those pictures. But that's, so you're, this is what you just said. So to quote you, I could play slot receiver in the NFL. Can I put that on the, can I put that? On oh, the abs- absolutely not. Yeah. I, so I would die, but it's like, why hasn't Hunter Renfro died? Also true. But like, how has been I went to disintegrate. Has he been in the year like two years? League and like no, no, no. He was a rookie last year, and then he and then he got hurt. But uh, I think it was a non-contact injury he got hurt on. I think he had a concussion. I have to go back and look at that. But yeah, I think that's, he had that that's, too. that's hilarious. Where is that? I need to find that article. I need to read that. Read what? Okay. Oh, see. it's so, a tweet thread. Tweet thread. Hashtag S W R D M, and you'll you'll see it okay, for the folks at home. Man, this has been fun. I know I did, we didn't get to every question, but I do have one more question. What's it going to take for you to trade me, Dalvin Cook, in, the, in our fantasy? Oh, that's a, that's a great question. So I took him pre-holdout. Um, knowing his injury history is really bad, mid-first, and I was just in uh, another – I just did a bunch of charity leagues, and he went – and I didn't even draft him. He went um, – one second – he, he went 210, which is crazy. Ooh, that's pretty um, nuts. That is nuts. And uh, and yeah, so I'm surprised to see you trying to get him. Maybe I will sell him, by the way. I, I'm surprised to see you trying to get him just because that injury history is like, it scares me. Right, right. Well, I have I have Alexander Madison. So that's that's part mm. of the play there. Okay, okay. So who, who where did Alexander Madison go in that draft that you just mentioned? He hasn't gone yet. We're, we're in like round five. Oh, okay. 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 That's fine. Well, yeah, just let me know, man. Hit me up and I'll, I'll give you uh, I don't know. I don't know what I'll give you. Uh, I know that you're, that you're looking for upside. I'll try to make up some bullshit story about a guy about why his upside's so great. So, you know, <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, so the, the last question I have for you, man, what's a bandaid of advice here on the injury prone fantasy football podcast. We try to hand out band-aids of advice. What's the, what's the one band-aid of advice you have for, it could be just in general or in the fantasy community at large. Um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like we touched on some of it, you know, um, upside just matters more like a a player's bull case scenario matters more than his base case scenario, which matters far more than his bear case scenario. So always like lean towards upside, um, you know, targets are worth 2.8 times as much as carries. Like, remember that bell cow running backs, um, all all that's just like a lot of stuff people still get wrong or, or, or don't, don't think about enough. Draft for upside. Make sure you catch Scott Barrett on Twitter at Scott Barrett DFB. Thanks for joining me, man. This was super fun. You're definitely changing the way that I, that I am looking at some of these injury injury analyses and you're definitely changing the way that I think the, the fantasy community in as a whole looks at things you're grinding, you're constantly putting, putting shit out at, at fantasypoints.com. You got the podcast coming up. You got the injury discount coming up, fantasypoints.com. You got a lot of things going on. So I appreciate you taking the time tonight. And that's it. If you want to catch any more of his stuff, again, he's on Twitter at Scott Barrett DFB. That's all for tonight. So we'll catch you next time.